2022. My name is Chris, and you are tuned into Canadian Patriot Radio. I hope you all are having a good week. Here in the Scotch, we are uh, still in the dead of winter, <laughs> surviving the worst storms of the century in heavy air quotes. Two weekends in a row. Looks like we got another one coming. And they're predicting anywhere from 35 to 75 centimeters of snow, which uh, might be normal in the spring for you Ontario folks, but for us here on the flats, <laughs> that's not normal. <laughs> we, we're, we're used to April snowstorms or May, even May, sometimes June, you'll still get a bit of snow, but nothing like what they've been predicting this year, which makes you scratch your head and wonder. How good are they at predicting weather when you've got geoengineering programs, <clears throat> weather programs going on? Um, <clears throat> cloud seeding and chemtrails and all that stuff. That's not what we're going to get into in this show, but it just makes you wonder because Environment Canada is at an all-time low for predicting weather, and it just seems like they are not taking into account uh, man-made or man-altered weather programs. <clears throat> Okay, my friends, um, this show is going to be a lot less of me and a lot more of other people. We are going to listen to a bit of Chris Skye. We've got a really good interview with a Canadian doctor from BC, Dr. Charles Hof. Uh, that is, he, he, uh, you're going to love this interview. He, uh, he breaks it down and hits so many nails right smack in the middle of the head. It was, it was an epic, epic interview that I wanted to share with you guys. And uh, we, we're going to, pretty much all our news is coming out of BC. Uh, Chris Sky was in BC. Uh, the doctor that we got the interview with is in BC. And um, we are going to also go to a rally in Merritt, BC, where some of the great Canadian patriots that are fighting the fight on the front line are, are dropping hints um, that there is a, a real pushback coming from the Canadian people against our tyrannical governments. But what we're going to do first, my friends... <clears throat> is we are going to shift over to the Epoch Times uh, for an article that is titled Ottawa Firm on Masks After Mandate Dropped for Travel in U.S. This was written by Noah Ch uh, Chartier, and it was written today, April 20th, 2022. Canada will not follow the United States in dropping mask mandates for federally regula regulated public transportation, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau says. We continue to evaluate and reevaluate based on the science. Oh, <laughs> Oh, this article is going to be fun, my friends, based on shifting numbers. But when we have announcements to make, we will make them, but they will always be grounded in science, Trudeau said on April 19th while making a funding announcement in New Brunswick. I can tell you that our government and Transport Canada's priority is the health and safety of passengers and the workers in the aviation sector. Trudeau said Canadians must balance getting back to the things they love with staying safe from another wave of the virus. And the best way to do that is to lean in on what science is telling us, what the experts are telling us, and make sure that we're moving forward in the right way, he said. So, let's step out for a minute. What he really means there is the best way to do that is to lean in on our bought and paid for science, what the experts we also pay are telling you, and to make sure you're moving in forward in our way. That's my interpretation of that, my friends. <laughs> 
On April 18th, a U.S. federal judge struck down the mask mandates for planes, trains, and other mass public transit systems that had been imposed by the Centre for Disease Control and Prevention. District Judge Catherine Kimball uh, Meisel said the CDC rule violated administrative law by not giving proper notice before imposing the mandate in February 2021 and exceeded its statutory authority by regulating travellers within the United States. Transport Minister Omar Algebra would not comment on the ruling while making an announcement on April 18th in Calgary, but he said the mask mandate will remain in place as government continues to assess the situation. Algebra said government's decision is based in on the advice that we receive from our experts and doctors and based on data. It is proven that masks prevent or reduce the transmission of, COVID, of the COVID virus. Oh, boy. These guys, our government and our so-called scientists and our bought and paid for doctors are so isolated from what everybody else in this country is seeing. They have no idea that these statements make them look and sound retarded. Maybe they don't care because they're getting their paychecks from the uh, World Economic Forum every month. They push this, right? Assuming. I got to assume. But it seems like anybody that's pushing anything to do with COVID is getting kickbacks from what we're hearing definitely in the medical field. Oh, boy. Having said that, these measures are, as we said, we're always assessing them uh, based on the developing and evolving science. For now, there is no change in our regulation. The Biden administration has not yet indicated if it will appeal the decision, citing the need for the CDC to weigh in beforehand. The Department of Justice and Center for Disease Control and Prevention, CDC, degree, uh, disagree with the district court's decision and will appeal, subject to CDC's conclusion that the order remains necessary for public health, said an April 19th Justice Department statement. Many public health restrictions have been lifted by Canadian provinces and territories in recent months, but Ottawa has not repealed any measures within its purview, such as the vaccine mandate for air and rail travel and for federally regulated workplaces. Well, they're definitely not going to... Uh, they, as, as you guys are well aware, um, the Trudeau family is, is neck deep into the creation of the lipid nanoparticles in the shots. So Trudeau himself is not going to uh, ever ever lift mandates when it comes to shots. So what has he got control of? Well, he's got control of travel. So it doesn't surprise me. And and anybody that thinks that these mandates are over, come on, man. We we All we know is they're lifting them in time for the fact that it's getting warm out, the cases are going to fall, and then as soon as it gets cold out again, they're just doing the same cycle. We will be in three years of lockdowns. I guarantee it. And we know that they're they're just doing this to, to um, they're doing it to break the economy. Like they're trying to blame all the inflation on Russia, but all all of us are aware that this game was started a long time ago by by no fiscal responsibility by governments at all, and uh, just tossing money around to foreign aid, heavy air quotes, which we all know is a money laundering scheme. They're actually stealing our money, outright stealing our money and calling it foreign aid. If you went to any country where Justin Trudeau gave 500 million, a couple billion over here, a couple, how much do you think of, of that actually got back to the people? Not much, my friends, not much at all. And don't forget our, one of our major banks, HSBC, has already been caught laundering money for the cartel. 
<laughs> so do you think it's a stretch that this money is actually they're they're calling it foreign uh, foreign aid, but it's actually getting run through crooked organizations like HBS, HSBC and ending up back in all these politicians' pockets? I don't think that's a stretch at all. I think that's exactly what they've been doing for well before the Trudeau regime. Let's call it what it is. Okay, my friends, we got one more article to cover after the intro, and then we will get into all the clips that I've got for you. We'll be right back. Welcome, friends, to Canadian Patriot Radio, where conspiracy is not theory, and political corruption finds the spotlight. CPR, we are committed to upholding Canadians' God-given rights to life, liberty, and freedom with all thy sons. Command. Welcome back, my friends. What we're going to do next is I'm going to turn your attention over to True North. <clears throat> and the title of this one reads, Justice Centre Ranks Worst Charter Rights Violators Among Provinces. This is by Harley Sims, and it was written on April 17th, 2022. The Justice Centre for Constitutional Freedoms is recognizing the 40th, uh, 40th anniversary of the Charter of Rights and Freedoms by ranking the provinces that violated its, it worst during the COVID-19 pandemic. April 17th, 2022 marks 40 years since the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms became a part of Canada's Constitution, said JCCF President John Carpe. But this date has been, uh, has been marred by the long list of serious charter infringements perpetrated against Canadians by the federal and provincial governments over the last two years. The JCCF has been on the front lines of fighting against government and institutional pandemic restrictions, including on the ground in Ottawa during the Freedom Convoy. Its new report, titled Who Had the Worst Bunk in Canada's Lockdown Barracks, gives Quebec bottom honours as the worst trespasser on charter rights, with Prairie Province, Saskatchewan, the first to drop restrictions, coming in as the least worst. 
The report notes that whereas the provinces all began with more or less the same restrictions in March 2020, time and differing, differing understanding of the science created a wider disparity of responses to the pandemic. As a result, Carpe noted some Canadians suffered much more than others. Number one, Quebec. According to the report, Quebec during, uh, Quebec during COVID was easily the worst offender of freedoms guaranteed by the Charter and the worst place to live in Canada. With its totalitarian-style uh, nightly curfews, interprovincial travel restrictions, restrictions on travel within the province, uh, threats of attacks on the unvaccinated, disregard for religious freedom, and imposition of vaccine passport for places of worship, and the continuation of mandatory mask wearing, Quebec earns top spot as the worst offender of the, of the charter, Carpe said. Quebec also banned Canadians without COVID shots from accessing groceries when it brought in an order requiring proof of vaccination to enter big box stores. The ban caused ads to appear online by those offering to go shopping in stores uh, the unvaccinated could no longer enter. As the JCCF notes, the mandates are not yet over in Quebec either. The province is also launching a campaign promoting fourth boosters against the sixth wave. Number two, British Columbia. Despite its former t formerly libertarian reputation, BC came, into, came in as second worst violator, not only for its continuing vaccine mandates against healthcare workers in both the public and private sectors, but also for its seemingly arbitrary closure of houses of worship. For example, British Columbia ordered houses of worship to be closed and they were closed for 14 months, the study reports. All provinces place some kind of limitation upon religious observance, of course, but BC's blanket lengthy all-purpose closure was a unique interpretation of the supposed science behind Canada's COVID response. BC was the last province to announce its time frame for lifting COVID restrictions and also the last to lift its vaccine passport. Last Christmas, Provincial Health Officer Dr. Bonnie Henry came in at number one in True North's top 10 worst and weirdest winter COVID restrictions when she ordered the unvac that unvaccinated people would not be allowed to gather over the holidays. <laughs> It's funny that anybody would even try that. It's absolutely hilarious. Number three, Manitoba. People outside Canada's easternmost prairie province might have missed it, but Manitoba was an early and zealous advocate of harsh lockdown measures. Manitoba comes close to BC in the rank ordering for second worst abuser of charter rights. The report leads. Uh, the report reads. Like BC, Manitoba seriously infringed upon both religious freedom and mobility rights, closing all health houses of worship from November 2020 to February 2021. And again in May of 2021, it joined Ontario and Quebec in mutually closing its provincial borders to supposedly non-essential travel. It was also in Manitoba that, the, that People's Party leader Max Bernier was arrested and charged under Manitoba's Public Health Act for assembling in a gathering in an at an outdoor public place and for failing to self-isolate upon entering Manitoba. Number four, Ontario. According to the JCCF, Canada's largest and most populous province came in somewhere near the middle of the mob. Ontario shut schools the longest and also closed its borders. As for the province of, of the Freedom Convoy and Ambassador Bridge border demonstrations, it also highlighted emergency measures and legislation enacted to shut down pandemic protests. Lengthy provincial stay-at-home orders intended by, intended by Doug, Premier Doug Ford to be enforced with random police stops showed an alarming government comfort with Soviet-style enforcement, the report said. 
Ontario's mutual border closure with Manitoba and Quebec also violated uh, Canadians' charter, charter right to move. The province prosecuted and fined some pastors and congregations which defied public health orders, but unlike Alberta, at least did not jail anyone. Atlantic, uh, number five, Atlantic Bubble Maritime Provinces. While each Atlantic province offers its own potential examples of charter and even human rights violations during COVID, including New Brunswick allowing grocery stores to ban unvaccinated Canadians, the JCCF uh, grouped them into a single unit due to their collective close, uh, closed border. The four Atlantic provinces, Nova Scotia, New Brunswick, Prince Edward Island, and Newfoundland and Labrador, established the so-called Atlantic bubble, the report read. With this bubble, residents were permitted to move freely. However, other Canadians were barred from entering these four provinces unless government determined the reason to be essential. The RCMP set up roadblocks on Trans-Canada Highway, on the Trans-Canada Highway to enforce the exclusion. One could hardly imagine a more unambiguous violation of the Charter Section 6 mobility rights to move freely within Canada. Number six, Alberta. The second province to lift COVID restrictions, Alberta came out ahead of others in most, uh, most, excuse me, in most respects. Alberta was also the first province to partially rescind a vaccine mandate for healthcare workers, although the order still applies to new hires. The JCCF also noted, however, that it was only, that it was only, that it was the only jurisdiction to jail pastors who defined public health orders. Pastor Jim Coates and Tim Stevens were both charged with exceeding capacity limits, the report recounts. Pastor Coates spent a month in jail while Pastor Stevens served three days before the Alberta Crown took the position that his, unre- his arrest was unlawful. Pastor Arthur Palowski has been arrested before, uh, arrested before for holding religious service without following public health rules and in October 2021 was fined 23000 23, and handed 18 months probation. Operating under Alberta Health Services instruction, police padlocked their church, their church and arrested the pastors. All were jailed. Pastor Coates was held for more than a month, much of this time in solitary confinement with only one other cellmate and very limited time, times outside his cell. He was also fined 1500 Number seven, Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan Premier Scott Moe was the first to announce he would be lifting COVID restrictions back in early February. As the JCCF notes, Saskatchewan was also less committed to lockdowns, even though its policies echoed other regions. As such, Carpe deemed the land of open, the land of open skies, that's wrong, the land of living skies, the least bad bunk in the lockdown barracks. All in all, it appears Saskatchewan, uh, Saskatchewan's violations of charter rights and freedoms were, at le- were the least severe in Canada, the report concludes. If true, there is no cause for Saskatchewan or its people to celebrate because every Canadian province, the two, um, <clears throat> the two weeks to flatten the curve became two years to flatten our freedoms. Ooh, very well written. Very well written. And just a reminder, you guys have heard me say this multiple times, Saskatchewan is not an innocent uh, bystander in any of this. Um, the War Act is still active in Saskatchewan, granting the government and uh, policy enforcers the power to arrest you without warrant on your property, to search and seize anything that they uh, they want on your property. Uh, it gives them the ability to uh, uh, destroy your crops, confiscate your buildings, um, your cattle, any of your property, and destroy 
anything on your property that they deem suitable for an emergency situation. So the fact that Saskatchewan has kind of been just lying in the background, don't let that fool you. Um, the tyrants at the head of this province uh, have very nefarious uh, ideas going on in the background. All right, my friends, what we're going to do next is we're going to move over to the interview with Charles Hoth. Uh This is by the World Council for Health. Um, and uh, so it's an interview format, and it's it's done very well. So we're going to play the play it in its entirety. It's roughly about 20 minutes long. But Dr. Charles Hoth, uh, or Hoff, um, <clears throat> breaks down so many things so well that uh, you've got to hear it in its entirety. So without any further ado, let's turn it over to... Uh, uh, World Council for, for Health and Dr. Charles, Charles Hove. So I would like to welcome Dr. Charles Hoff. Dr. Charles Hoff is a family doctor who lives and works in Lytton in Canada. He is a graduate of the University of the Witwatersrand in Johannesburg, South Africa, and moved to Canada in 1990. He has worked as a rural family physician and emergency room physician for 31 years. And after seeing numerous cases of severe COVID vaccine injury in his own patients, Dr. Hoff has been an outspoken advocate for safety and the Hippocratic Oath, first do no harm. Dr. Hoff has been threatened, persecuted, and disciplined by the medical authorities for the crime of causing vaccine hesitancy by daring to question the safety of the experimental gene therapy vaccines and for advocating for the safety of his own patients who have been injured by the COVID jabs. Welcome, Dr. Hoff. It's a pleasure to, to meet you here at last. Thank you. Thank you very much for the invitation. So I wanted to talk about the abandonment of medical ethics and the censorship of science. And it has troubled me. Well, firstly, I should say that as a doctor, the oath that every doctor takes, the Hippocratic oath, is to do no harm. And it is a beautiful ethic. And if the whole world lived by that ethic, it would be so different. And doing no harm also means preventing harm because it all it means that if you see somebody else in danger and you do nothing to protect them from that danger, you become complicit in their harm. And so here in Canada, medical doctors are regulated by the colleges of physicians and surgeons in each province. And the duty of the college is basically fundamentally to protect the public. It's to ensure that doctors have the appropriate training and credentials and to ensure that what they are doing is keeping people safe. In other words, that doctors are honest, that they do no harm, and and that there is effectively that they're never exploiting vulnerable people. And over the years, I've been amazed at how pedantic they have been. I, I once received a letter of warning from the college about 25 years ago that I was warning me and just informing me that I was not allowed to give medical care to my own family because it was contrary to their code of ethics. It was astonishing. It was absolutely amazing. They, they were very pedantic about doctors never having any business dealings with their patients or, um, and, and particularly keen on informed consent and the fact that patients should never be coerced into having a treatment that they don't want and that 
patients needed to be fully informed about the risks and benefits so that they could make an informed choice. So something has seriously changed in the world with this pandemic, as I think you're probably all aware. This, the fact that right across the world, there is so much fear and deception and a complete abandonment of ethics and of common sense really makes me think that this is a spiritual problem that because I just cannot otherwise understand how so many intelligent and professional people across the world can all be, have all have gone off the rails so badly. So as was mentioned in the introduction, I firstly was warned and put under investigation for questioning the safety of these shots when I, when I saw harm in my own patients and then was fired as an emergency room physician for explaining the concept of natural immunity to an emergency room nurse and basically explaining why somebody who had natural immunity did not need to be immunized. And so I, I became very concerned that a doctor who was concerned about patient safety and medical ethics should be persecuted for doing so because I've had that firsthand. And in fact, next month, doctors in British Columbia who have not had the COVID jabs will all have their licenses suspended. In other words, this is the decree of our medical authorities that if you believe, in fact, our medical health officer, Dr. Bonnie Henry here in, in BC has said that if you, if a doctor will not have these shots, they should not be a doctor. In other words, if you believe in the ethic of informed consent, you should not be a doctor. So this is from the highest levels, an absolute abandonment of medical ethics. And so early on in this pandemic, the first evidence I saw before I was reprimanded of the abandonment of ethics was the withholding of treatment where they, doctors knew that hydroxychloroquine was effective against the first SARS virus. So there was no reason why it shouldn't have been effective against the second. That had been known since 2006. And doctors had known that ivermectin had, was an effective antiviral and an effective anti-inflammatory. So it was a logical thing to try. But the fact that there's been such misinformation and active withholding of treatment to people who are seriously ill, even something like vitamin D. There was a study from Malaysia that showed that if people have adequate vitamin D levels, their mortality risk from COVID literally drops to zero. So the fact that they would not advocate even for vitamin D was just a glaring red flag that something was very seriously wrong. So. Then of course, when the shots came out and there was no informed consent, that was another huge red flag for the abandonment of ethics because informed consent involves four things. Firstly, a patient needs to be informed about the risks and with a vaccine that is experimental and we have no knowledge of what the long-term consequences might be or what it will possibly do to fertility or to children or to your immune system in the long-term, there's no way a person can give informed consent if, if we don't even know what the risks are. And the fact that, and then of course, in terms of the benefits, people were told that this was their duty to society to get uh, vaccinated to keep others safe, which was a complete lie because it, I think everybody has now realized that it doesn't stop the transmission of, of, of the virus. So its benefits 
are, are very minimal. And now with Omicron, which does which it, it gives no protection against Omicron whatsoever. So there's literally now no benefit to it. And, and then, of course, the, the, the four aspects of informed consent, which are the foundation of medical ethics, are the risks, the benefits, the alternatives. They would not give people any alternatives. They, they, they actively suppressed science and knowledge about alternative treatments so that people had no alternatives. And then, of course, the fourth aspect to informed consent is that there must be no coercion, that a patient must be completely free to decide whether or not they want that treatment. And so, of course, a child, for example, cannot give informed consent because there's no way that they can understand the risks and benefits and the alternatives. They just haven't, don't have enough knowledge or life experience. And that is why minors in medical treatments down the years have never made this decision for themselves. It has always been their parents' responsibility to do, make these decisions for them. And of course, the, the Nuremberg trials in December of 1946, the, the trials of the doctors occurred in Nuremberg, Germany, where 23 Nazi doctors were put on trial for using experimental treatments on people against their wishes. And the outcome of those trials were that nine of them were jailed and seven of them were executed by hanging for doing cruel experiments on people without informed consent. And so the Nuremberg Code arose from that. And so there, there has been, I made a speech about this in Victoria and have received two complaints from the college about it. It is absolutely astounding this complete abandonment of ethics and censorship of science, not just about effective treatments, but about natural immunity. There are now 150 studies showing the effectiveness of natural immunity, yet these are actively suppressed and, and the authorities won't even mention them. They won't look at the science. They, It's just about getting as many jabs into as many arms as possible. And so in terms of of trying to, fortunately, there are more and more people waking up and realizing that the stories that we've been told by the authorities are, are just don't make any sense. People were told that, that it was their duty to society to protect their fellow man to get vaccinated. But obviously, a vaccine that does not stop the spread of a disease doesn't keep anyone safe. And we were told that you, everyone needed to be vaxxed in order to get herd immunity, but you can't get a, a immunity from a vaccine that doesn't make you immune. So this is absurd. It is absurd to mandate a vaccine that doesn't stop the spread of a disease. There's no community benefit to it. Secondly, I think most people are starting to realize that all of the travel restrictions and vaccine passports make absolutely no logical sense. To, to, to restrict travel, to stop the spread of a virus that is already everywhere, completely defies all logic. It is absolutely absurd that anybody could possibly support vaccine passports. The virus is in every country, every city. So how having, and with a vaccine that doesn't stop the spread of it in any case, it is absolutely absurd. This is an abandonment of science in, in every way. 
And of course, uh, persecuting doctors who dare to question the safety of it. If all these restrictions that have been put up upon us are all about safety, the masks, the distancing, the lockdowns, the shots, it's all about safety. But yet the fact that they withhold treatments, the fact that they refuse to recognize natural immunity, the fact that they persecute doctors who dare <laughs> should make people really wonder, is this really about safety? And then of course, if you look at the the VAERS data, and the latest is from the 4th of February. There are 23,000, this is just in the US, 23,000 people dead. I think it's 40-some thousand permanently disabled and 1.1 million vaccine injured. And the numbers from Europe, from the, the UDRA vigilance, are even more horrifying with 3.5 million vaccine injuries and almost 40,000 people dead. So th this mantra that it is safe and effective while we have more COVID than ever before is absolutely absurd. And then of course, the most absurd is their desire to vaccinate children with the most dangerous vaccine ever rolled out upon humanity to protect them against a disease that poses no risk to them is the most absurd of, of all. So hopefully people are starting to wake up and, and, and realize that something has gone seriously wrong, but the power of mass formation and of hypnosis and of brainwashing people through the media, the power of fear is quite awesome. So I think that sums up, I think, just what I wanted to say about it. And I'd certainly be open to any comments or questions. Thank you very much, Charles. Your frustration is gently comes through so strongly and, and I feel for you uh, being at the front line and just seeing the, the harms and being powerless to prevent it really, but, but having to deal with the fallout and, and help as many people as you can. So thank you for everything that you're doing. We applaud you. Mark, Thanks. Dr. Tozzi, do you have any questions in the chat for Charles? Yeah, lots of love and support. And I'd like to shout amen to all that. For those that, that I mean, most of us probably do know a lot about what Dr. Haas has been doing since the beginning of this, but just phenomenal, a man of, of ethics and science and really honored to uh, consider you a friend and colleague. An interesting point that came up in the chat, and this is other people's chance to type in a question if they like, but Faisal said, it's, it's interesting from Faisal Mansour, interesting how the Omicron arrived just when only the quote vaccinated could travel. And then a lot of gratitude as well for different things you've done and for teaching about all the real medicine, lots of comments about just the malfeasance, the injustice, the criminality of the whole thing. And so lots of blessings to you, Dr. Hoff from everybody, including myself. I see there is one uh, new question that's just been posted from Canada thanking you and saying uh, you were very outspoken early on uh, about the microclots that you were seeing following the vaccines and based on the, could you speak a, a little about your research and observations on this? Yes, uh, absolutely. I, when I started seeing horrible injuries in my patients and initially they were, were mostly neurological, some of them are pulmonary and cardiac, but I asked questions. I was trying to figure out the mechanism of injury for this. And, and when we discovered that unlike conventional vaccines, these shots do not stay in your arm, they go intravenous around your whole 
body, which means that the little packages of messenger RNA absorbed into the cells around your blood vessels in capillary networks everywhere. So in other words, that's where the spike proteins were going to end up once they were formed by your body. It, it, it seemed logical that people would develop microclots. And so I did, I started doing tests in my own patients with a D-dimer test to see if this microclotting was happening. And I was horrified initially, I think after the first, I think nine people came back, literally 62% had elevated D-dimers. And what I was trying to do is to get a D-dimer before their shot, which was my control and a D-dimer after a week after their shot so that because there are some, there are other factors that can sometimes affect D-dimer. And so that was my idea was to try and have this control group. Each patient would be have a control of their own so that you would know what their baseline was. And unfortunately, shortly, I, I was so horrified initially when I saw such a, that more than half of people were getting this micro evidence of micro clotting. And by the way, these were not vaccine injured people. These were people who thought their shot went fine. And I started speaking about this. And then about 10 days later, my practice was burned to the ground. The whole town was in, in a devastating fire in June of, the, of last year. And so we no longer have a lab. We no longer have any health facility in this town. Fortunately, my house survived, but ultimately I only had 15 patients in my study and only four of them had a control. In other words, had the D-dimer before their shot. So it ended up, so I, I haven't published, I just had desperately wanted to get bigger numbers to try and make it more statistically meaningful, but that's what I tried to do. And so maybe I should just mention that I know other doctors around the world have been doing D-dimer tests on vaccine injured people in emergency rooms and finding massively high D-dimer levels in people who have no evidence of clots on scans. And it's because the clots are microscopic. They're too small to see on a scan and they're too scattered. But yet when they're in your brain or spinal cord, nervous tissue, heart, lungs, this is very serious because these are tissues that cannot regenerate. And so the damage is permanent and will accumulate with every shot. Thank you. And Dr. Hoff, did you do any immune studies, particularly T-cell counts, CD8s and so on? No, I, I was literally just doing a full blood count. I wanted to see if platelets were dropping as well as because sometimes when you get a lot of clotting, the platelet, platelets get consumed. And so that was all I was doing. I, I, I was sort of limited. Yeah, it was pretty limited and it was just the start. And unfortunately it got wiped out, but it, it was my effort to try and figure out what went wrong in my patients when nobody else could tell me. There's one more question that Mark has for you. Mark, would you like to ask it please? Yes, please. Oh, yes, please. Charles, we have a question from Robert Bernsey and two parts. So <clears throat> have the medical boards always been tyrannical or have they become worse during COVID? And then a second question, is there any reason to suspect that some people receive placebos? So medical boards always tyrannical getting worse. And what about placebos? Yes. So firstly, with regard to the medical boards being tyrannical, they were very particular about ethics and patient safety and, and almost to the, to being pedantic. I thought I've here in Canada, I've known doctors have enormous fines. So there was one person who employed one of their patients to do garden work for them and received a $25,000 fine for doing business with a patient. I, I live in a small town. 
where everybody in the town is my patient. Under those rules, I shouldn't be able to buy gasoline, food, anything. And you're not supposed to give medical care to your friends. But if you live in a town where everybody is your friend and everybody is your patient, what do you do? Do you live as a hermit? It, it's absurd. So in some senses, they have been, they, they were, I think they were rather over pedantic about ethics and now have completely abandoned the ethics, which is really weird going from one extreme to the other, but they have never persecuted doctors who advocate for patient safety. And that's what I have done. I have, I'm passionate about patient safety and I, I, so I, as something, I think it's a spiritual darkness because I cannot understand how so many people can cooperate with this. Thanks very much. Uh, Dr. Hoff, we are running out of time and need to move on. Do you want to just have a quick word on the placebo? If you have an opinion on whether people have received placebos. Yes. Yes. As far as I've been able to establish somewhere between 20 and 30% of the shots are placebo. Uh, so we don't know, not necessarily placebo, but they appear to not have the messenger RNA. In other words, they saline, they may still have some of the nanotechnology. We don't know for sure, but yeah, forcing people to have a shot with secret ingredients is of course, highly unethical. Yes. Yes. Yeah. We agree. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for that really interesting perspective that you shared. Man, there's so much to unpack. Um, in that interview, I suggest that everybody listens to it a few times, but you know, my takeaways were the biggest or my biggest takeaways from it were the, uh, 150 studies on natural immunity refusing to be acknowledged by the, um, basically Canadian health or the colleges of physicians and surgeons, uh, informed consent. Um, he broke it down into four columns, the risks, benefit benefits, and the risks of the, uh, procedure, the benefits the alternatives, and absolutely no coercion. That is how you have informed consent. Um, also, he mentioned that the mandates and passports uh, defy all logic, which they do when he says that the virus is absolutely everywhere already. Uh, to put in place mandates and vaccine passports defies all logic. Very well said. Uh, probably the best I've ever heard that said. And that's something that maybe we should all adopt uh, when arguing with uh, people that are for it. Um, and then he said that, that there was a complete abandonment of ethics by the College of Physicians and Surgeons in Canada. But he was also describing earlier that they were almost the other way. They, um, before, probably before 2020, they, that's all they pushed was ethics and, and uh, informed consent. So very interesting, very interesting um, summary of events in Canada from a Canadian doctor that has been a, um, the victim of, of this uh, censorship of doctors that are actually trying to help their patients. So like I said, listen to that one a couple times because it's, it's huge. Everything that he, he has informed you or informed us of. Okay. My friends, it's looking like this show is probably going to run a bit over the hour. We'll probably be closer to 90 minutes. Just giving you the time warning that if you got somewhere to be, just uh, put her on pause and come back when you got more time, but we're going to, Chris Sky did a really good job. Um, at a rally in BC as well, uh, just kind of summarizing where the, the Canadian governments provincially and uh, federally are going with all of this. He, he's, he's a very well-informed guy. Um, like I've said in the past, he's not, you know, he's not someone that I would sit down and have a beer with, but he's, he's definitely through all this really proving the fact that he's digging quite deep into, um, into what's actually going on behind the scenes. So I just want to play 
as much of this as I possibly can because you guys still need to hear um, what was said at, at the, the Merit BC rally. So let's cover as much of, of Chris Sky as we can here. A temporary injunction against protests making it illegal to honk, to march, or to use a speaker system. And when I was in Calgary at the end of my tour on the 26th, I was arrested and thrown in prison for allegedly speaking through a megaphone. So if you guys think it's all over, it ain't over. Every single mandate is still in place. We're here today because guess who's coming tomorrow? We got Bill Gates and Al Gore, the one-two punch for the biggest fear salesman in the entire planet. Bill Gates is lying to everybody saying he's coming to talk about his book. His book is called How to Prevent the Next Pandemic. And we all know what he's going to say. The number one way to prevent the pandemic is to take this new vaccine. He's going to introduce a new vaccine to you all. It's going to be the safest, most effective, works on the variants. And it doesn't matter which vaccines you've already taken or not taken. You can take this wonderful jab, and you're probably only going to have to take it once a year, they're going to tell you. They're going to try to resell you on the whole idea once again to go through another round of vaccines, another round of masks, another round of lockdowns. And it's coming faster than you think. In Ontario, they just got rid of the mask mandates a couple of weeks ago. And just today, the mayor of Ottawa has decided, he has bequeathed to his peasants, that now the mask mandates are going to be back in public transits and other essential areas that he deems. Why are they making sure that mandates don't go away fully? It's because while you guys are enjoying this temporary and pretend freedom over the next few months, as long as you keep seeing people with a mask, as long as there's certain places you can't go, like leave the country without a vaccine, you're going to be so much more easy to go back to the mandates when they bring them out. So Bill Gates is coming to sell you on the fact that the pandemic's not over and you're going to have to submit to more tyranny, give up more freedoms, take more vaccines, and go through more lockdowns and restrictions if you want to get out of this. Then we got Al Gore. What's he coming for? He's going to come here to sell you on even more fear. But he's going to tell you that this pandemic had a silver lining. The lack of human activity and the lack of economic activity healed the planet. If we didn't have these raving lockdowns, we would have had climate catastrophe. So now it's even more reason for us to have to give up even more freedoms and more decision making to the government. That's what they're here to tell you. They're here to tell you that the pandemics were to soften you up to the idea that you have to give up your freedoms temporarily. And now Al Gore's gonna tell you that you're gonna have to give up those freedoms permanently for the good of the planet. And if you think I'm wrong, on April 12th, in this very same province at the University of British Columbia, they have a panel of so-called climate experts convening. And the topic of discussion is, Submitting your individual freedoms to save the planet. This is not coincidence, people. This is the next part of their plan. And it goes along with the digital ID they want to bring out. And a digital ID is just not something like your passport and your driver's license online. No, a digital ID is virtually every single thing about you. It's like a digital fingerprint. It shows your age, your height, your location, your criminal record, your credit score, your sexual preference. Your, have you been arrested for DUI? Etc. 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 And if you submit to the digital ID, just like you submitted to the mask, as soon as you submitted to the mask, what happened? Voluntary became mandatory. As soon as you submitted to the vaccines, voluntary became mandatory. As soon as you submit to this, voluntary will become mandatory, and you will not be able to.
to do anything without the so-called digital ID. You will not be able to work. You will not be able to travel. You will not be able to create an Amazon or eBay account or a Facebook account. And the moment you say something they don't like, notice I didn't say illegal, something they don't like, they could shut you down. And now you cannot get another account because that digital ID is now blacklisted. So you can't shop on Amazon, you can't go on Facebook, you can't get a job, you can't travel. And then they want to ban cash while they're at it. So then you have absolutely no recourse. And if you think this is far-fetched, just think back to a few months ago before they thought you distracted with Ukraine. What happened? We had Christian Freeland freezing people's bank accounts with absolutely no law behind it and no recourse for these people. And imagine they can freeze your account and you have no access to cash and no access to silver. How are you supposed to live? Answer, you're not, and that's what they want. They want to force you to submit to this tyranny that they have trained you like dogs for the last two years to submit on your knees to their agenda of the World Economic Forum. It's that simple. And we are here today to remind you that this fight is not over. No, this fight is just beginning, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. This fight is not, this fight is not gone the way you think. All that they have done is change tactics. They went from coercion to brute force, and brute force was met with a trucker convoy, and from there, they went to subterfuge. They got you distracted by Vladimir Putin in Ukraine. They got you distracted by allowing you to go to the gym or go to a restaurant. In reality, every single federal mandate is still in place. Millions of people are still out of work. Every single so-called affiliate of the government, including airlines, insurance companies, banks, and more are all mandating the shot for their employees. Now they're looking at interprovincial mandate vaccines for truckers. And the next step will be interprovincial mandates for citizens. If you think that's far-fetched, you haven't been living in reality the last two years. And ladies and gentlemen, this is all because of one reason. We have allowed it, especially here in BC. There's a reason in Alberta there was no vaccine passport way back in February. It's because they did not have nearly the amount of people they could get boosted. And I have proof, April 6th, a couple days ago now, it was the official date where the government needed to announce their new federal mandate policies. And it could only go two ways. Either they end the mandates, or they extend the mandates for a certain amount of period, and in order to do that, they would have had to change the definition of fully vaccinated to anybody that was double jabbed will now need a booster. The only reason they did not make that announcement is because they do not have the compliance required. If they can get 70 plus percent of the people to take that jab, just like that, overnight, they will update their policy and they will say that a booster is required to be considered fully vaccinated. And that all you people that complied the last two years thinking you're going to get out of this are going to be in the same boat as everyone else. An unvaccinated, second-class citizen waiting on your knees for your next dose of poison. And if you haven't noticed, it's the most dangerous vaccine. It's not even a vaccine. I can't even use that word lightly. It's a secret gene therapy poison that they're injecting into men, women, and children. There, Chris Sky just did a wonderful job of, of basically telling everybody, not, not necessarily you guys, but what it's all about. And there's magic numbers in the compliance. And I think he's right. I think he's 100% right there that um, they didn't hit their 70, 75% compliance mark uh, with the boosters. So now, 
So that's that forced them to lift the mandates. But now they're just going to figure out different ways to coerce everybody into it. And you heard him say things like interprovincial travel. And I don't think he's. I don't think you know what did what did we go through? We went through the uh, the worst charter um, violators provincially earlier in the show. Well, look at the look at the maritime provinces and Quebec. They already did this out west. You know, there's going to be a that's going to be huge because there's. There's so many of us that travel, especially Alberta, Saskatchewan, BC. There's so many of us for work that are traveling into these three provinces, Steady and Manitoba. Um, we're going into all four of the of these western provinces at any given time, at any week. Um, so there's going to be a lot of pushback out here. They've got to be extremely careful how they try to do that. Um, I think what they'll, I think they'll try different avenues before they go there first. Uh, they'll try coercion in different ways out west. Because that one is going to be very difficult for them to get through. Um, so it's very interesting. And I think, I think you know, just to circle back around, in the words of uh, the peppermint commie, Jen Psaki, uh, to circle back around, I think Chris Sky just absolutely nailed it because it's all about compliance. If they can't hit their numbers of compliance, they have too much pushback and they can't uh, march forward with their uh, complete totalitarian regime yet yet now i don't you know it's it's a lot of bad news so far so that's why i want to cover the merit bc rally um this one's going to take us you know roughly to the hour and a half mark it's another 20 minutes but you got to listen to what these guys say and it's just all, all around good it's humorous um but they they give you some insight that there is uh you know the people's canadian army in 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 no other way to describe it is actually starting to rally um <clears throat> And they sh they tell you how to find it. So let's let's just listen to uh, to this uh, this clip of this merit rally, my friends. And unvaccinated, they don't really know that we're doing this for them. When we get the middle Trudeau salute, we always tell them love you, right? Because that's what we do. We're Canadians, right? Canadians are loving people. Yes. So you you need to keep always doing this every week. Let's get into other groups. Let's infiltrate and get our messaging from the inside out, right? They infiltrate us, we do the opposite. Find a new group. Find a new group to get into and start talking to people, right? That's the things that we need to do to unite. If we unite, we will win. We need to come together, all the groups. Kamloops has to come together with Merit. The, uh, the Okanagan came up and gave us a salute up here. You know, we got people from all over, right? When, the, when everybody went off to Ottawa, I was so upset not going. My wife says, stay behind. I said, okay, I'll stay behind. By day three, I'm on the couch crying like a little baby at how proud I was of what Canada is. Canada woke up. Canada woke up. It woke up the world. Right? What we do here, the world is watching. Because Canada is the example for the world. Yes. Now, when, when that, all that happened, Bonnie Henry put out those mandates, when everyone else was dropping them, that was the day that I said, that's it, I need to jump in my vehicle and do something. We left, uh, we left BC totally exposed. So on the 14th of February, my pilot, truck driver pilot Pat, he had gone almost all the way to Ottawa, leading the northern convoy, him and I got together and says, we need to do a northern down to Vancouver. 
We've been running now four convoys for the last two months, bringing more and more people, bringing people together. We have road captains from every corner of British Columbia that are the ambassadors of the communities. We're bringing people together because we need to be together, not divided. Divided we lose, united we win. So what I'm gonna do right now is I'm gonna get to Marcus Ray up here. He's gonna have a messaging for you. And I gotta see where is Marcus right now. Oh, there he is. <laughs> well, Marcus has been rolling with us since uh, since Dawson Creek. He came all the way up from Penticton to roll with us and to send a message. Send a message of hope to everybody. We have a plan, and he's got the plan, right? Now, we have a guy that's from uh, from Kamloops. You guys might know him. We call him Waldo because he goes on every single overpass. He goes on the sides of the road. He drove from Kamloops all the way to Grand Prairie. Where's Justin here? Where's Waldo? Does anybody find Waldo? Look for Waldo. Oh, he went to go get gas. Okay. So you guys can all give him a hug because he gives free hugs. But he has jumped. He leapfrogs the convoy all the way, right? He's probably done over 40 leapfrogs. Then what's happening is we're, we're going through a 100 mile house and we're driving and we see him going by. Then all of a sudden we see Marcus Ray driving by and so they're going, is Marcus leaving the convoy? Then all of a sudden we get up there and guess who's with Waldo? Marcus Ray. <laughs> Ended up jumping on, and he's waving his hat, jumping up and down. I don't know how he does it at 60 years old, but he did it. I think he, he only did it once. He says, that's too much for me. <laughs> but anyways, let's get Marcus up here, and he's going to give you this message. All right, Merrick, how are you doing? Well, I'm pretty excited. Get in here a little tighter. Come on. Come on, you can do way better than this. We're, we're Canadians, we're, we're getting together. This is shoulder to shoulder shit that's going on here. Get in here, get in here, get in here. You up there, get my best side. There you go, send that out on social media. <laughs> so, it's actually pretty warm, this is nice. We came out of the snow and uh, somebody started a blizzard up the road there. I don't know what that's all about. Trying to stop us. Oh my God, it's coming. Okay, I'm going to talk fast. Alright, so I'm so happy to be here. So happy to be on this convoy. It was something else going up north. I did the full island tour. I've done Ottawa twice. Twice. I was there when we rolled in. I was there when we rolled out. And, uh, of course, you all know what we all saw there. You know what we went through. Alright, uh, pep somebody pepper sprayed my hat. That really pissed me off. Alright, you, you want to pepper spray this? You go ahead. You leave the hat alone. Am I right, my friend? Don't, don't screw with the hats. Don't screw with the hats. But I'll tell you, I got these little green goblins that showed up, didn't have any name tags or nothing like that. I'm standing in front of a guy, he's about, I don't know, guy's about five foot four. And I'm looking at him, I'm going, they're gonna blow the whistle. And he's looking at me like this. And I said, they're gonna blow that whistle and I'm gonna kick the shit out of you. And he's shaking. And I thought, I gotcha, I gotcha. And then some other guy moved him out of the way and they put this other guy in front of me. <laughs> Shit. Yeah, that was a big, yeah, that was a big dude. Anyway, 
I apologized to him and left. <laughs> I'm not stupid. <laughs> We've got a plan. You know what? I'm so excited to tell you about this. I've been uh, running around telling everybody. I'm telling as much as I can. So if you try to ask me a question about it, I'm not going to answer it. And there's a reason for that. We want to win. Okay? So it's not that I want to leave you in suspense, but I'm going to give you enough information that you know that hope is right there and it's happening. First of all, this is the beautiful province of British Columbia. Right? Who owns it? We own it, right? Right next door, we got the beautiful province of Abbot, uh, Abbotsford. <laughs> I've been driving way too long. Of Alberta. And we own that too. And next door, we got Saskatchewan. And guess what? Those are the three richest provinces in, in, in this whole country. Right? All right, we're taking them. Now, I know what you're thinking. You mean the rallies with their flags are going to take them? No. No. We, after Ottawa, came back and built an army. And it's a big one. And it's bigger than you can possibly imagine. In fact, none of the provinces have a force big enough to deal with us. That's how big. It's organized, it's equipped, and it's ready to go. And we are within weeks of taking our country, no, taking, see I knew you'd say that so I said it first so I could say no. We're gonna take three provinces back and then when we've got those three provinces, we're gonna take Canada. We are doing this strategically, we're doing it smart, we know exactly what we're doing, and you're gonna play a part in it, okay? We're not leaving you out, all right? So what we need you to do is when we put out the call, you come running, you got 24 hours to get to that spot. You understand? I can't tell you where it is right now, but all I can tell you is you're a huge part of this because we need you to support us when we do this. We're gonna be on the inside, we're the ones in danger, Okay, you're on the outside covering our flank. That's the point. No one did that for us in Ottawa. And that was our problem. If we would have had a million people show up and flank those buggers, none of that would have happened. So we need you to do this. Now, raise your hand if you own some garden tools. Okay, because we're gonna do some fucking gardening. All right? So we need you to come with your gardening tools. All right? and there's gonna be a lot of work to be done. What we need is leverage, okay? Of course, we're hoping for no violence at all. We're Canadians, that's the way we look at it. But we're being forced to use the same tactics as them. Not something we wanted to do, people. Not something we wanted to do. I looked at my wife and I said, you know, there's a chance. There's a chance I might not come back from this. She looked at me, love in her eyes and said, honey, your underwear's packed, get the hell out of here. I, that's either a really tough woman or I've done something hideously wrong. <laughs> she, knows what you're fighting she knows what I'm fighting for. You know what we're fighting for? It's right there in a little green jacket, right there. It's right here. It's right there, it's right there. All right, that's what we're fighting for, right there. All right, we're not gonna let them down, okay? None of us here are gonna let them down. 
right? We've waited, we've done our part as Canadians, we've stood by, we've asked nicely. We've got court cases going, which we all know don't mean a damn. They don't mean anything, people. They'll run those things dry, they'll run them out in two, three years. By that, We lost the country. I'll tell you right now, I don't know how much Chris told you, but we've lost this country by July. Did you know that? Hopefully he told you, he had a lot of the info. We've lost it by July, it's gone. There'll be no rallies. You will not be doing this. There'll be no convoys. There'll be no flags. They're passing, they're passing all the bills right now through the house. It's all being done. We won't have anything. Now, how many of us are gonna put up with that? Right? Think about it for a minute, and this is the part I don't get, okay, about silly socks up there. That's Trudeau, by the way, silly socks, yeah? I just, even through the sunglasses, I know you were confused. I could tell. Because your wife's nudging you going, that's Trudeau. <laughs> so, silly socks up there. The part I don't understand is how does he think we're not going to retaliate? Does he think he scared us in Ottawa? We had women and children in there with us in bouncy castles. All right? Of course we're not going to start a war down there. That was a peaceful protest, and a judge just ruled it was a peaceful protest. Right? So somebody's got to pay the price for what they did down there. I mean, they were rifle-butting veterans. And I'll tell you something that's very important, a very huge part of what we're about to do. Your Canadian veterans that have already fought for the freedom of this country standing up to do it again. Give them a round of applause, man. We've got ex-RCMP in with us, all right? They don't like what's going on. I got off the phone yesterday after an hour with Danny Beaufort, that was the sniper uh, on the detail to protect Trudeau. Well, guess what, he's with us. All right, we've got everybody coming in with us because everybody was just waiting for somebody to stand up and say, let's go do this, right? My kids hate the fact that it's me that did it. <laughs> I, we've got uh, seven kids and six grandchildren, and uh, the youngest of the boys is in university in Quebec and calls us Nazis. And I'm like, son, do I still have to pay for your tuition? That's what they're doing. They're brainwashing these people. They're brainwashing us. I mean, we come through town, the odd person sticks their finger up. I mean, I feel sorry for them. They're going to die. They're, they're just, they're fully bought into the whole thing, and they don't know. I feel sorry for people that don't know. I don't hate them. I feel sorry for them. My ex-wife said to me, well, I got my shots and you should get yours. And I'm, I said, I'm glad you got your shots. <laughs> I'm so fucking happy for you, I'm throwing a party. <laughs> By the way, can I have my horses back? No. You know, we, we are at a point in Canada that you got to dig deep in your heart, okay? You got to go deep, man. Because we were never meant, especially me at 60, uh, and you, sir, I can tell, you're like, what are you, 40? Like 40 plus 30, 70? <laughs> oh, Is that lady behind you your wife? God, you did good, eh? Huh? Look at you go. Look at you go. Yeah, <laughs> Look at you go. Look at this fellow over here, too. I pick on the guys with the cowboy hats because we have a certain taste in women, okay? We like tough women that pack our underwear and tell us to get the hell out. And these girls, I can tell, that's who they are, right? So you guys are coming with me.
you know you're coming with me. We are going to do this for these kids. We are going to do this because it needs to be done. But we're not just doing it to show Canadians. We're going to show the fucking world. All right? My cousin, I'm half American. My father was uh, Master Chief Navy SEAL. My cousin is an investigative reporter in the States. And my cousin said, did you know that the Americans are waiting for the Canadians to see what we do? Did you know that? I didn't know that. They're waiting to see what we do. And you know why? Because in World War I, who was the most feared? The Canadians. World War II, who was the most feared? Canadians. Now here's World War III. Who do they fear? I'll tell you what. I'm half American and I know this. Americans, they walk around pissed off all the time. But Canadians, it takes a lot to piss us off. But once we are, holy shit, get out of the way. Right? I mean, you know that. Your wife probably kicks the crap out of you. <laughs> okay, here it comes. So listen, folks. You've got to get this down on your phone right now, okay? Just say it, Canada.ca. The word's going to go out on that. Just say it, Canada.ca. Just say it, Canada.ca. Did you just film me saying that instead of putting it in your phone? You're lazy. You're lazy. Just say at Canada.ca. Very, very important that you get on that. And when the word goes out, you'll get regular emails uh, as it's progressing. But I'm telling you, folks, we're eight weeks and under for this thing. All right? Everybody's mobilizing now. We're moving things around. It's, it's, it's coming. All right? Now, those of you that... Uh, probably want to join in because we've gotten a ton we we gained last night where were we last night uh, Kamloops we got a military field medic just signed up with us now I'm pretty smart but the one thing we forgot about was somebody to help us if we get shot <laughs> this guy steps up and goes you got a medic I go no he goes what are you guys stupid <laughs> so anyway I was really happy to get that guy so you can see me afterwards, we can have a quick chat, anybody that's dead serious, but I do want you to know it, it is very risky what you're doing. Uh, we are going to be terrorists. Uh, be, well, we're already terrorists, right? We're standing here with our flags. We are terrorists. All right? So if you're serious about it, please come and see me because I do want to talk to you. I'm going to stand around for a, a little bit. I've got a, um, an on-call meeting at noon, and I'm talking to Manitoba because they're putting up people. All right, which is amazing. We never thought Manitoba would join in. I always looked at Manitoba as just a place you stop for coffee as you're going on your way. But there's actually people living there. <laughs> so I didn't even know that. But, okay, so let me wrap this up because look at what's coming down and you guys have probably been freezing out here all day. All right, but that's what patriots do. We freeze. All right, we, we do what's got to be done. It was like 40, aren't, what was it, 40 below in freaking Ottawa when we were standing there? I mean, if the cop hit me in the head, my head would just, like, break. It's like, Jesus, it was cold. Okay, so thank you very much for showing up. I'm going to wrap up right now, and I'm going to bring this man back up here. But I do want to say this. This convoy was absolutely amazing. I got to be with amazing people. All right? Absolutely amazing people. No, I'm not amazing. This man's amazing. I just get up, and I just, I just the talker, you know. But this guy here, Dom puts this thing together. He treated me like a god. Okay, like like I got treated so well um, because it would piss me off otherwise. But 
I got treated so well by these people, and I, I just loved being along. And I want to thank you for inviting me uh, to go on that trip. It was, it was amazing, guys. And meeting all the people up north all the way down here, absolutely amazing. Northern British Columbia are the fighters. I'll tell you that right now. I don't know if you've been to the city of Vancouver lately. Okay, don't go. <laughs> yeah. Just don't go. When you get to Hope, turn around. Okay, there ain't much going on down there. All right. Thank you very much for having me. I sure appreciate it. And uh, listen, keep the faith. This thing is not over. It's just starting. All right, it's just starting. So please keep showing up. Keep showing your support. We're about to do this thing. And when we call, who's coming? Come on, people, when we call, who's coming? We need you. We need you bad. Thank you very much. Very inspirational, to say the least, coming out of uh, Merritt, B.C., with all the people of the, the convoys that are still going on across Canada. It's, it's, it's incredible to see. And, uh, you know, you heard a theme kind of coming out of two speakers there, Chris Skye and, and Marcus Ray. And that was, it's not over, it's just beginning. So... To kind of tie this all together, um, when you see a complete abandonment of ethics from all your, your Canadian institutions, whether it be government, healthcare, or science, then you have to do, you have to, you have to step up. You heard him uh, say that it's uh, just say it Canada.ca. Now I've gone to the website right now. Yes, the page is up, but there's nothing on it. So <clears throat> I'm going to keep an eye on it. I suggest that the rest of you do as well. And like he said, it, it's going to, you know, they've obviously got a very huge movement in BC. And I don't care where it starts. I don't care if it starts in BC or in PEI. I really don't care. What, what we as Canadians need to do is all band together no matter where we are and join the fight. And however that fight has to play out, that's what we've got to do. So very inspirational. There is stuff in the works. You've heard, he give you a little bit of insight of the, the type of people that, that they are recruiting. So I don't think it's too far of a stretch to say that they are willing to fight. And I think that, I think there's a lot of you that are fully aware of that, that, you know, it could potentially go this way. And the rest of the world is still watching Canada to see what we do. <laughs> So, I mean, if we've got a lead, then let's lead. It wouldn't be the first time. Just like you heard Marcus Ray said, <clears throat> we, were feared, we were feared in World War I, we were feared in World War II, and now we're feared in World War III. And if we have to, we'll take our own country back by force. Very, very cool. Very cool. So, like I said, keep your eye on justsayitcanada.ca. And make sure that you're keeping tabs on what the guys in BC are doing. But also, like I said, I don't care if it starts in Quebec, Newfoundland, Ontario. I don't care where it starts. As long as everybody sets up ways to communicate with the rest of us in Canada, I'll go east, I'll go west. I don't care where, where it starts. <laughs> That's the beauty part about being in the central part of this country. Is I'll uh, I'll go wherever I got to, wherever I'm needed. <laughs> Okay, my friends, that's where we're going to end this one. Like always, if you want to reach out to me, you can find me on Facebook at Canadian Patriot Radio. The message button comes directly to me. So uh, 
Use it for any comments, any uh, contributions, or anything that you'd like to say uh, to myself. Um, and if you prefer email, it's CanadianPatriotRadio at gmail.com. Um, I encourage everybody to join the Telegram room. That is uh, t.me backslash CPR underscore two. And if you prefer websites, it's CanadianPatriotRadio.ca. As always, thank you so much for tuning in, my friends. Uh, it's only word of mouth that the show gets out, so if you liked it, share it with whoever you see fit on whatever platform you see fit. Until next time, my friends, in all thy sons, command. for joining us for another episode of Canadian Patriot Radio. CPR is not filmed before a live studio audience. If you like the show, friends, make sure you give us a thumbs up and share us on all your social media platforms. Until next time, take care. <laughs>